Hello and welcome to the Odds Checker Betting Show, sponsored by 888 Sport. I'm your host, George Ellick, and this is a Cheltenham Festival Day 3 preview, the Thursday of the Cheltenham Festival, and I'm joined by two expert guests who know what it takes to back a couple of winners at the festival, Odds Checkers Andy Holding and tipster Rory Delaghi as well. Before we get the thoughts of the guys, I was lucky enough, uh, Andy and I were both lucky enough to speak to 888 Sport Ambassador and Cheltenham Festival multiple winning jockey uh, Barry Geraghty on his thoughts on the day's racing. Yeah, before we get into Thursday, day three of the Cheltenham Festival preview with Andy and Rory Delaghi, delighted to be joined by 888 Sport Ambassador and someone who knows a thing or two about riding winners at the Cheltenham Festival, uh, Barry Geraghty. Barry, thank you for joining us. And on this Thursday preview, uh, we cannot have you on and not talk to you about an old friend of yours, somebody who experienced some great days with uh, at the festival in Champ. Um, before we look at his bid to win the Stayers Hurdle, something we probably didn't anticipate we'd be saying a couple of years ago, uh, let's look back to that incredible RSA and you know you look back at that race now and, and it's aged not only was it an unbelievable watch I was there on the day it was just absolutely extraordinary what you did uh, in that last um, you know basically up the hill in that last furlong but beating Manella Indo and Alaho you know last year's Ryanair winner and last year's Gold Cup winner that, that form can't really have got much better in time I mean how do you remember that incredible day? Well it was a very strong race and um, you know with full respect for Manilindo and Alaho and probably knew they were the two to beat, but I suppose for them to turn out to be the Ryanair and Gold Cup winner <laughs> the following year was um, on reflection it made it all the sweeter. But um, Champ had his difficulties, jumping was questionable, um, but we knew he had the class. Um, and I suppose how how I approached the race was I remember actually speaking to JV before and and he just said to me, you know, this uh, goes why did you want for a bit of better ground? Which was that's a license to me because there's nothing better. You're on the second days. Um, on the Wednesday ground. So it's been used on the Tuesday, not so fresh on the inside when it's on the slow side. So to go out, go for room. And a horse that came who's jumping wasn't as good as you would like. When you have that extra bit of room, you can just let them warm and you find a steady rhythm, nothing too fancy. So I nursed them through the race and probably you're riding them on instinct, really, going as well as you can go or being as close as you can be at all stages. But I remember jumping the third lap and the field had actually concertina. We'd stacked up a little bit on the run to three out. Um, so I'm only about three or four lengths down off um, Alaho and Alindo. And I jumped the third last and I'm nursing away into the straight. Then they, the two from the front quickest and they went right away from me. But you're, you're probably three, three and a half furlongs from home. So I'm thinking, I know if I roll the dice now, I'm not going to get home. So all I could do was just trust and trust your instinct and try and nurse them home and nurse them home. But I knew probably about five uh, strides off the last fence when I could see I was meeting it on a perfect stride. I could just have the luxury just to look up and put an eye on Minalindo. And I saw him miss the last a little bit. And I knew straight away, I said, we've a chance here. And um, as soon as we touched down, I threw the kitchen sink. And it was, it was a great feeling to be about, I'd say, 70 yards from the post, or maybe 100 yards from the post, three lanes down and no one is in the bag. It's a, a very unusual <laughs> feeling at a, at a Cheltenham Festival, but it was a good one. <laughs> I was going to ask you, in that circumstance, whether or not you know you, you know, when you're throwing the kitchen sink and you're, and you're trying to chase down two horses and you just squeeze there and get home, do you know you've won? But you said you already knew with the 100 yards to go. He won a length. Um, so it was, when I landed at the back of the last, like I knew I had a squeak. I had a chance and I threw everything at him and straight away he responded. And I, I, I knew with Millenium, mistake at the last, 
He was vulnerable. I knew Alaho was paying the price for going early. They were they were sitting ducks, if you like. Um, so 50 yards after the last, this is happening. 100 yards after the last, I'm thinking, you know, this is nearly in the bag at this stage because I had the time. And am I right in thinking that you uh, that it costs you and your followers uh, a few yeah. quid? It was my nap of the meeting, Manella Rindo. Um, I remember doing all the previews on the build-up, doing this podcast as well with yourself, watching nap of the meeting, Manella Rindo, Manella Rindo, and I still can't watch that race without um, feeling how on earth did that happen. Um, there's some races when you watch back at Chelmsford, you still think your horse is going to win. Mm. I remember direct route back in the day, Barry, I thought he was going to win. I uh, still think he's won to that day, and Norman Williamson um, he just didn't get, quite get the better of Edredon Blow with McCoy. And, and the Manila Indo Alaho clash was exactly the same. Um, all the way around, I kept thinking he's, wo- he's won this, no problem. But along came Barry, and um, one of his finest hours, unfortunately, was one of my, <laughs> one of my least favourable uh, races to watch back. But uh, yeah, just, uh, just shows you never say never in any of those races. Yeah, I'm still waiting for my payout on my Goshen bets in 2020. Yeah, exactly. no, 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 no one's paying out. Um, nothing, nothing of a moral winner. No, no, no exactly. I'm going to take my slips back to back on yeah. course. The first time I've been back since on Tuesday. Um, Barry, let's talk about champ this year then. Um, obviously, the, the return to form in the penultimate start at Ascot was very exciting uh, and then beaten by a rejuvenated Paisley Park. And that seems to be the way that this race is kind of set up. A lot of horses who we've had doubts about and, and, and then returning to form ahead of the festival. Florian Porter's a seven to two favourite, but Time Hill nine to two, Champ five to one, Classical Dream five to one, Paisley Park seven to one. Uh, would you expect Champ, knowing what you know about him uh, over these hurdles to, to, to be in the mix uh, come the close on, on Thursday? Well, he has to bounce back from his last run. Um, but this season, for me, it's a little bit of a, of, a, of a copy of last season. He had a great run in the game spirit last season, and then he didn't turn up at all in the Gold Cup. He obviously had a great run in the long walk this year, and he gets well beaten by Paisley Park. He finished alongside Liz Nagar Oscar, who hasn't been in brilliant form either. So unless both horses ran to that level, or Liz Nagar actually improved on what he'd done previously, I'm not so sure. So Champ really has to bounce back from that. He has the ability. He does run well around Cheltenham, but... It's, it's a, I think it's a big comeback mission for him. Um, Florian Porter is obviously favourite because he hasn't ran since Christmas and the Classical Dream has blotted his copybook in Gorham Park. But to me, those are the two. I think it's a stronger stairs hurdle than it's been in the past in the last couple of years. Time has a good horse, but I think these are better. Um, Classical Dream, Florian Porter. I slightly prefer Classical Dream um, on their Leopardstown win, on his Leopardstown win, because I just feel if he that day had got to follow Florian Porter, he would have had the pace to come a doom had haven't been a supreme winner but he proved how well he stayed um, so he hasn't had the ideal prep but Willie Mullins has had enough time since January to put that right so I'd be just slightly in classical dreams camp over Florian Porter Champ has the ability but I'm not just fully convinced he can get back to the level of form he needs to win this Just going backwards in time to the first race of the day the turn as novice chase where we've got a mouth-watering match at the top of the market. I mean, we don't know how many horses are going to turn up here. It could feasibly be two given uh, how many entries the others in the race have and how they don't want to be taking on these top two. But Bob Ollinger is six to five. Galapan de Champ is five to four. If you were given the option of which one to ride, Barry, who would you choose? Well, from what we've seen to date over fences, Galapan de Champ is, you know, he just blows the roof. He is as good as you will ever see as a novice chaser. Um, And we saw how he went away from the line 
when he won in Leopardstown last time, when you have Master McShay, who was a previous grade one winner, pulled up within probably 70 or 80 yards across the line. Gallop and Deschamps was still going. He'd have gone another half mile if it was needed. So he is a high-class performer. He has a lot of pace. He jumps really well. Bob Ollinger hasn't just been as good to date over fences. Um, I think he's going to be better on better ground. Um, I believe he schooled really well last weekend. Um, and everyone was very happy with him. So there's, there is a little bit of improvement needed in Bob Ollinger's jumping. But we know he has the engine from his Ballymore performance last year. So this is a massive clash. And these are two potential superstars. But from what we've seen, if you have to trust what you've seen to date, you would have to just slightly say with Gallimond the Champ. We're going to find out Andy and Rory DeLaghi's thoughts on that race in just a couple of minutes. But thank you very much to Barry Garrity for taking the time to talk to us on our Thursday preview. He spoke to us on Tuesday and Wednesday as well. So if you're watching this in reverse order for some reason, make sure you do go and check that out. And we'll be talking to you about Friday's racing in our Friday episode as well. So thank you very much to 888 Sport Ambassador Barry Garrity. We'll speak to you again soon. Cheers, boys. Thank you. Always good to speak to Barry. We spoke to him about the Tuesday, the Wednesday and the Friday racing as well. So do check out those previews there. And before we do get into the first day's uh, preview, uh, it is my time to tell you the odds checker itself is the only tip that you need for this year's Chutton Festival. It is under a week away now. And if you're having a bet, you'll get the most out of it by using odds checker. So compare the odds and get all the best special offers with Odds Checker for the Cheltenham Festival. On then to the first race of Thursday, and it's one of the most intriguing betting heats for a couple of reasons, this one. Uh, and it will come to you first. It is the Turner's Novice Chase. And we've got Bob Ollinger at six to five, Galapin de Champ at five to four. We'll deal with the other the others in the market in a second, but we'll concentrate on that match at the top of the moment. Um, at this stage, do you think the market having Bob Ollinger, albeit a very, very marginal favourite. Uh, I think the exchanges reflect that as well. Do you think that is, he is the right favourite at this stage? Um, not, not in my eyes, no. Certainly based on the time figures that, that we keep. I mean, look, you know, Bob Ollinger clocked a fantastic time when he won at Punchestown. A lot of people weren't massively impressed by that. But the front two, Bob Ollinger and, and Cappadano, pulled 30-odd lengths clear of, of, of you know, Galliard de Mesnil, who... Was a was a good second to Bob Ollinger in in the um, the Ballymore last season, and they were really trapping as well. I, mean, I remember doing the sectionals well for that race. It was one of the very few sectionals, circuit sectionals, that I get a season that was over or fifteen seconds and over quicker than any other race on the card. There was two other chases that day. There was a beginners chase over, over I think it was two mile four as well. That one of Willie Mullins's um, one whiskey something. And there was a handicap as well, um, the very race after. So there was, a, you know, there's some reasonable comparisons. And, uh, and the circuit time was three, I remember it was three minutes 10, and, and the next nearest was three minutes 25. Straight away, I thought, Bob Ollinger definitely wins the, the Turners. Nothing is going to touch that. He's just too good. But then along comes Galapagne de Champ, and he went even faster last time out when he won at the Dublin Racing Festival. He was good the first day when, mm. you know, he was eye-poppingly um, impressive, uh, not only with his jumping, but just everything about him that day. He had a certain aura about him. But then he went to the Dublin Racing Festival. And if you, if you compare, again, his final circuit from the fence going away from the stand to the line, he was l basically punch for punch with Chacon and Pulsoir, if you put the two races up on the screen and let them run. So he's basically run the last 
lap, having already covered six furlongs or five furlongs, faster than a, a proper grade one um, chaser and shaken pull so But more importantly, his furlong per furlong time figure was far superior. Um, I mean, we've been doing time figures now, myself and, and Sam and Andy, for 20 odd years. And we've never got a novice chaser running as fast as Gallop on the shot. He ran to an 82. We, we've, we've never awarded, I don't think we, the only novice we've awarded, awarded an 80 or above was Monkfish. Um, to put that into some kind of context, the two fastest times in the last two years we've got was Shiskin and Ergham in 81 mm. when they clashed at Ascot and Alaho 82 when he won last year's Ryan then we all know how quick that was. This fella's done an 82 on his second start <laughs> So we've, we've got Gallop on the Champ, not considerably clear, we've got 78 for Bob Ollinger's run at um, Pontiac, which ordinarily you'd be absolutely falling over yourself to say how good that was. So the answer to the question, going back to it, I, I think Gallop on the Champ has, has got a bit in a hand over Bob Ollinger. Um, that's the way I see it anyway. Um, but it's a, it should be a great race. Look, I don't think there's going to be many runners, so it's going to be a tactical joust. Which horse adapts to the fences at Cheltenham? They've never run around the track before, of course. When they both jump well, probably Gallop on the Champ a little bit more spectacularly, mm. uh, with a bit more on land than, than Bob Ollinger, who's been a little bit novice here, there and everywhere, but by and large, look, his jumpings have been fine. You know, this is like Thomas Hearns against Hagler, and, uh, you know, Klitschko, um, 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 AJ. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> yes, absolutely, yeah. Um, it, it's, it's just the clash of the meeting, isn't yeah. it, for me? This, this is the purest race we're going to get. The two horses of the utmost class, which bring the best time figures for novices in, in the last decade to the table. And it's, it's, it's whichever side camp you're in. You know, we're going to get um, you know, a real good, healthy 50% on the one, 50% on the other. It, it's just going to be a tremendous race. I, I think the value is definitely Gallop on the shot, certainly based on the numbers. And, and, and I'm just hoping for a great race. Well, I'll have a bet in it. I don't know. It's something that doesn't really float my boat from a betting perspective. There's no each way angle. Do I really want to get involved? I'm not, probably, probably not, but I'm, 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 I'm very much in the Gallop on the shot camp. You say there's no each way angle, but we'll, we'll get on to that oh, in a second. Course, yeah, we'll, yeah. we'll talk so about that in well a sec. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I mean, certainly, yeah, Galapanda Champ 5 to 4 at the moment. And this should hopefully be the first instalment of what could be a, a pretty special rivalry uh, in the coming years. Um, Rory, we've got, he says 50% in one, 50% in the other, other. Andy says he's in the Galapanda Champ camp. Are you in the Bob Ollinger camp? Um, I, I really like both horses. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, Andy summed it up. His. his um, um, his figures are backed up on, on, on what I have here. Um, Gallop and Deschamps was, was visually stunning um, at Leverstown over Christmas. Um, and then that, um, I want to call it the flow gas, uh, the, the Labrooks novice chase uh, that he won at, uh, at Leverstown in February was, was um, you know, as a race run at a really furious gallop. Um, and um, he, was, uh, he was very, very impressive there as well. Um, he, he looks the real deal. Um, he just had that blip um, at Christmas last year when he wasn't right. He went to Limerick and he was odds on favourite to win the novice hurdle there and um, stopped very quickly and clearly wasn't right. And then he, um, he wasn't fit when he came back to Leperstown, but he's, you know, he really carried all before him after that. Um, and he's taken tremendously well to fences. Bob Bollinger, as we saw, was, was just enormously impressive in beating very good horses in the Ballymore last year. And although there's been criticism of his jumping, I think he's been absolutely fine. 
Um, he, he obviously Rachel Blackmore was um, was over here for the uh, for the Labrox Trophy uh, when he made his chase debut at Goran, and and all he's done wrong there is he's got in tight to the last, and, and Dara O'Keefe um, didn't want him to do anything spectacular, so he's got in a little bit tight, and his back end's come up high. Um, he nodded at the third last, but pretty much everything nods at the third last to Goran if you're going as quick as he was, because uh, it's a downhill fence. He just did it to, to balance himself. I was happy enough with that, and I thought his jumping was very good at Punchestown last time out. Um, when he beat Capodanno, who's a very good horse himself. It's a, it's a shame that he didn't stand up at Leperstein next time out, because we would have found out exactly how good Capodanno was. And he could still prove it at, um, uh, at the festival that he's an absolutely top-class novice himself. Um, Bob Ollinger, he's, he's a very safe jumper. He's less spectacular than, than Galopin de Champ. But I, don't, I wouldn't have his jumping down as being a, um, any kind of drawback. I suppose the one thing you wouldn't want to see him doing is going absolutely head-to-head because then you're always, if you're up against a horse who's, who's marginally quicker through the air than you are, then you're putting yourself at a disadvantage. But I don't think he'd want to do that. Um, the way he was ridden last year was pop, 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 and then, you know, turn on the boosters when you hit the hill. And that's what he tried to do again. I'm really looking forward to the clash. But, uh, you know, there's not an awful lot in it. I think Gallop on the Champ might start favourite for this. I think part of the reason why he's second favourite at the moment is because he still theoretically has the option of, of going for the Brown Advisory. And he, you know, he was expected to go for that for much of the season. So part of the differential in price is just the hangover from that and people trading between the two races. I think once he's confirmed for this, he probably ends up being the marginal favourite ahead of, uh, of Bob Ollinger, but there'll be very little between them. So those are the top two um, and, you know, set to be a, a titanic clash. But we're recording this, I should date stamp it because this is going to age pretty quickly. But it's, it's Thursday, just before one o'clock. And looking, we've been sat here before we recorded and we were looking through the field and it's hard to see which of the other horses that currently hold entries are actually going to take them up and run here. You've got L'Ompresse is 9-2, to two, Jungle Boogie 14-1, to one, Horton Colour 16-1, to one, Saint Sam 16-1, to one, Fury Road 16-1, to one, Gaillard de Mesnil 16s, Statler 20s, Imperial Alcazar. You've got other horses which you know have now been put out to a huge price, Riviera de Tell is entered uh, as well. Uh, Dusart's entered, Blue Lord's entered. I mean, this is going to cut up massively and feasibly. We could be left with two runners or we could see a couple of horses taking up this in an attempt to try and nick third and a bit of prize money and a bit of bit of stature. I mean, is there an angle here with non-runner no bet to, to back a couple of these? And do we know, do we have any hunches that any of these are going to run um, who, except for those top two? Doesn't look that way, does it? We, we've had a, like I said, a long, healthy discussion before we did this to almost come up with a, a field bigger than f four or five. We, we couldn't, could we? That, that might be the odd, the odd one that um, changes their mind, particularly if connections look at one of the handicaps and think, well, you know, I'm, I'm I've got to beat 24 horses, um, and you know, you're not guaranteed to win, and you know, there's prize money all the way down the line in the turners and, and some good prestige to go with it. Or do they take a view, well, we can't beat Bob Ollinger and Gallop on the show. What's the point? We want to try and win. We're only here to win. And, you know, you're running the race where you can win, i.e. a handicap against horses who, in theory, you, you've got a better chance of, of defeating. So a lot depends, like I say, on what the mindset is of the respective owners who've got other horses in that race. We can only make a case that arguably for something like a jungle boogie, maybe, who hasn't got... Well, he's got other entries, but he's more likely to come here because he's, he's won over two and a half miles. It seems nonsensical to run in the Arkle. Um, so he might be one. And, and of course, there's going to be a couple of, for want of a better word, 
I hate saying this, but it, it, uh, rags or you know, um, we know show show runners in some respects. Yeah, that's probably a better way of putting it. Um, but yeah, if if you're looking at an anti-post bet now from a, from a place perspective, and you're looking to put some horses in multiples, this is one of the races you need to look at because they'll definitely only be four or five runs on a day. There's no way in a million years they'll be eight. Any, any thoughts on, on any we can back at big prices, Roy? Well, I, I, I've thrown a few feelers out trying to find out if anyone's, if anyone's um, going to run. And I've, uh, I've spoken to a couple of people who said, well, this wasn't the race we were going to run in, um, but we might leave the horse in and see what happens. Um, so a couple of those who, who are being aimed elsewhere uh, might be redirected on that basis. I'd be inclined to go for, for uh, as Andy says, one of the rags um, and just hope you get it. Gabby Naka was blindingly obvious. I was 50 to 1 in a, in a place all in yesterday. I thought, well, that Gabby Nack was perfect for the yeah. race. Nothing else is going to run. <laughs> no sooner had I placed a bet in him than, uh, than I read that he'd been supplemented for the article. So, I mean, um, that was because uh, he, was, he was only in this and the, and the, uh, the Brown Advisory, and he doesn't stay beyond two and a half miles. So that looked blindingly obvious. And then with him out of it, you, you're just left with a bunch of horses who are not intended runners. Um, uh, and even the ones you thought, well, you know, this 100 to 1 shot will be suited by the conditions and the trainer saying won't run them at the festival at all. Very few you can, you can, um, you can have at all. I've thrown a few ball but stolen silver at a massive price um, on the basis that I'd rather be backing a horse at, at he's 250 to 1 in a place. Now, that, that's, that's a crazy price. But, uh, you know, any sort of 100 to 125 to 1 is interesting about him because if you think it's going to cut up badly and you're going to have two horses and maybe two outsiders in the race, uh, and connections throw him in, you, you know, you're getting 25 to 1 about, about you know, him winning a match with something else to, to get into the frame. Um, and that's, that's attractive. But you, you're guessing wildly. Again, he's in, the, he's in the plate, and you'd imagine that's what connections want to do. But the interesting thing about him is that they did run him in the Grade 1 Silly Isles. So they're not afraid to run him in a, in a, in a graded race. And that wouldn't be the obvious thing to do with a horse you were trying to manipulate a handicap mark for to get in the plate. So the fact that they were happy to go there in the first place means that they might also consider running them here. And bear in mind, if you finish in the first four in this race and you're a small owner, a small trainer, you get to lead your horse back into the winner's enclosure at Cheltenham at the festival. That's a big deal for a lot of it. It'd be a massive deal for me. Um, I know people say, well, you'd, you'd rather win a five grand race than come for, well, you'd be getting more money for finishing fourth here than for most races they'd be winning. And even if you thought, well, you know, he's, got, he's a 16 to one chance for the plate and he looks all right there. You're still, you know, what's your realistic take-home when you're a 16-to-1 shot for a, for a 25-runner handicap at the festival? It's not great. So I, I wouldn't be at all surprised if some of the outsiders ended up turning up here. I know we touched on Jungle Boogie as an obvious one, and he's actually been, he's been punted um, today, and there's, there's been money for him in exchanges as well. But my concern about him, if you're backing him at a reasonably short price and thinking of, you know, maybe he might sneak a win here, he's only had one run over fences, and that was in January, and he's a notorious,ly um, fragile horse. So I'd be worried about it. I mean, obviously, with the non-runner no bet, you don't really mind about that so much. I'd, again, I would, knowing you've got that safety net, I would rather take a swing at one at a massive price. Stolen silver, 250 to one as it stands at the moment. Chances are you're just getting your money back, but you never know. You could be lining up with a, a quarter of the 250 yeah, in a three-runner race. Yeah, if, 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 if he runs in a, in a, in a four or five-runner uh, race, that's the biggest thrill I'm getting all week, quite frankly. <laughs> On then to the Potemps, the second race on the card, and there's been a big gamble on winter fog in the last week or so, Andy, since we spoke about him uh, with Johnny Ward in the, in the Irish Pointers um, podcast from last week. He's 6-1 to one 
favourite now for Emmett Mullins, who of course landed that touch with the shunter in last year's festival. Uh, Dunboyne eight to one, uh, Sider Burley and Aleph Philippe also eight to one. Sporting John nine to one, uh, Volcano twelve to one, Panda Boy fourteens, the Jam Man fourteen to one, the Big Galloper fourteens, Tully Beg fourteen sixteen to one bar. Uh, Andy, I know you often look at this race and you're, you you cast a glance immediately over the Irish Seas. The same again this time. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, um, I think this is um, one of the easiest races to work out with regards to stats. Um, particularly in the last 10 years, and if you condense it, perhaps in the last six or seven years, you only need to look at that Irish qualifier. Six of the last seven winners have all come out of that one on the, um, at the Christmas meeting. Uh, it was won this year by Panda Boy, um, who beat Winter Fog, trained by um, Paul Byrne, who knows a thing or two about landing Cheltenham Festival Gambles, i.e. the Shunter last year, and many other big pots that he's plundered over the time. Um, and if you cast your mind back and go and watch that race, the way he went through that race, he looked like a well-handicapped horse. You know, he come there swinging on the home turn, led down to the last, and then he just got run out of it on the running by the strong finishing Panda Boy on really soft winter ground. Uh, looking at him, I think better ground will suit him. That's the theory anyway. So we're talking on the th wet Thursday, looking at the weather forecast. You can't see it being any worse than good to soft. Yeah. And that's if they water. Um, so really, he, sh he should get the, the perfect setup. I like the fact that he travels really well. When the horses like that give you a chance because they're, 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 they're doing everything easily, they're, they're saving energy, they're not off the brile and you know, scrubbed along and losing their position. You've got, to, you've got to have plenty of speed as well to hold your position in a 20-odd runner handicap around Charlton at the top of the hill. Um, so he should be able to do that. Um, and he hasn't run since, so they've probably had one or two options in the interim and they've decided to um, forsake them to keep him here fresh. So he'd be my number one go. I mean, he was obviously 12 to one a couple of weeks ago. He's now only five, six to one, but hopefully on the day, you know, you, they might push him out and he might drift and you might get sort of five, six to one anyway, but with more places, yeah. which makes some sense. And the other one to mention is Dunboyne, who had an almost carbon copy run to, to a Delta work stroke, Sear de Burley in finishing fifth in that qualifier just about snuck in um and he was user he actually went favorite he, he was the anti-post favorite after the back of that run he then went back to the next meeting and in a similar race he got he made a really bad mistake at the second last which derailed him completely and then he was trying to come back again he got pushed pushed through the rail so he never got a chance to show what he's worth the only problem with him is he's quite a big lump of a horse and i, I think the drying ground not necessarily be in his favour as much as Winter Fog. If it was soft, I think he'd be a big player. But you've got to consider him because he's trained by Gordon Elliott and he ran well yeah. in the qualifier. So it'd be stupid not to even consider him. Um, so yeah, that's it in a nutshell. Um, top, top two. It's boring. Well, six, six to one and eight to one. You know, it's not. Well, it's one of the, it's one of those races where I'm looking to get a few. Because I'm I'm talking about multiples and doing Tiopu in the um, and Adagio in the, in the Champion Hurdle. There's, there's races where you. You know, you've only got two runners. You can put Bob Ollinger and Gallop under Champion if you're if you're that way inclined. <laughs> Three places on two, even money in five to four. There, there's another possible uh, angle, um, and and you've got two obvious ones there out of the right race that um, have been laid out ever since. Yeah, Winter Fog and Dunboyne there six to one and eight to one for Andy. Uh, Rory, how are you seeing the potemps? Uh, 
just a quick mention of the, of the same race, or the one that is a much bigger prize. Uh, not my selection on the race, but interesting on the same basis. Futurum Regum, who was third in mm. that qualifier, he oh, had well. no run at all uh, in that big field handicap at, uh, at Leperstown at the Dublin Racing Festival. Um, and basically, uh, his Owen Walsh, who rode him, just had given up with a couple to go because he was... Um, he was badly positioned and didn't get a clear run, as a few of them didn't. Um, and he's, of course, having finished a really promising third and being a, an unexposed hurdler, um, he's 25 to 1. Now, he's not guaranteed to get in because he's number 37 on the list. Um, and he's trained by a trainer that no one on this side of the Irish Sea will have heard of in Hugh Finnegan. Um, but if, you, if you're punting horses based on the, on the idea that that qualifier is, is gold dust, um, then I'd certainly be writing off his, his latest run in 25 to 1. Um, is is probably too big for for future on Regum. Um, he he might get punted if he does sneak into the race. But the, the horse I was interested at a, at a similar price in this race was remastered a bigger price even thirty threes. Um, I surprised to see him in the race in the first place. Horse most people thought he would have won the Labrooks Trophy if he hadn't. Fourth, I was far enough out to be to be adamant about that. To be perfectly honest, but he was travelling well when he came down. He's run perfectly well in two runs since. He hasn't quite justified market support in either of those um, runs, but they're both in, in, in very um, competitive and um, uh, long-standing chases at, uh, at Haydock with Tommy Whittle and then the Peter Marsh last time out, um, beaten uh, 10 lengths behind Royal Guy last time. Um, he switches to hurdles. Um, he was, he warmed up for the Labricks Trophy with a run and a pretense qualifier at the entry, and it was just to get him, just to get him right for, for his, his main early season target. But he ran really well to be beaten just over a length um, in that contest, um, the form. Well, the winner hasn't run since he's been he's been laid out um, for this. I'm not entirely sure. I think that's the wisest move in the world. Uh, the runner-up has, um, has has run well several times over fences since, and remastered comes back over hurdles off a much lower mark. Um, and if you look at his his form um, last season, he was um, uh, he was um, placed off similar marks um, to this over hurdles. Um, not that long ago, um, you know, at the at the Midlands National Meeting, for example, he was placed off one three two, um, and he's clearly been going the right way over fences since. I thought it was very interesting that David Pipe, who has of course won this twice before with with a horse who's been switched from fences to hurdles, uh, with Buena Vista, had mapped this out for remastered, and it's not like he's entered him in this, and the Midlands National and the Ultima. He's just thrown him in here, and I thought that was very interesting. Um, well handicapped on his best form, um, in good form, 10 stone three on his back, 33 to one. Just thought that was, that was um, you know, a, a surprisingly big price for a horse with, with, um, with no multiple options. So I've, I've thrown him in a little um, each way multiple, um, non runner no bet at, at those prices, because I, um, I thought that was interesting. He might want the ground a little bit better, but you know, it was, he's got form on, on, on very soft ground, but he's, I'd say his best form is probably in good to soft, so he should be, he should be fine in that regard. Stays all day. Um, yeah, it, just, it just seems <coughs> surprisingly big price for, for a horse with his profile. Sad about his apparatus is no longer ah. 21 best price as it is at the moment. Okay. Well, there is, uh, sorry, I'm, I'm looking at the price at the moment. There's, um, he's 33 to 1 all in if you want to, if you wanted to punt him <laughs> in a place. I keep forgetting that most of the prices I'm seeing are, are non runner no bet prices, but um, one firm has non runner no bet and an anti post market as well. Yeah. And so he's, He's still 33s in one place there, but yeah, he was he was 20s is 20s is about right, I suppose. Um, but the um, I I wouldn't mind backing him all in because it looks like you know with only one entry he's going to run. 
if he misses the cut, you get your money back anyway. Um, so it's, it's well worth thinking about that. You know, everyone wants to have the non-runner no bet safety net, but if you know your horse is being aimed at a race and your biggest concern is whether they make the cut or not, back them all in, you will get bigger prices. Yeah. And firms tend to, I don't know why they do it, but if a horse looks like it's not going to make the cut, they tend to push them out in price, mm -hmm. which makes, there's no, there's, no, there's no benefit in doing that. Uh, so it's always worth doing, um, as long as you don't mind the fact that you might just be tying up a, a few bets on, on potential non-runners. Um, but yeah, he's, he's, um, he's appealing to me. But that um, Futurum regimen is also, is also worth uh, looking at. A similar sort of scenario, he's, he's well down the weights at the moment. I don't know how many of these come out. Um, there are plenty of races where if you're fit number 50 on the list, you're almost guaranteed to run. The Pretemps isn't one of them. Yeah. The very few horses tend to come out of the Pretemps between um, confirmation and declaration. So you, you might be sweating a little bit in a couple of those. Future Regum is 25 to 1, remastered 20 to 1 as it stands uh, on Thursday early afternoon. On then to the Ryanair, uh, and Alaho is the 4 to 6 favourite. We've got a couple in behind them who are unlikely to be running here. Anergamine 3 to 1, Aplutard 6 to 1. Chacun pour soi, eight to one. Obviously, only their short prices there because that is with non-runner, non no bet. Uh, but Chamblou should, 17 to two. Uh, Conflated is nine to one. Janadil, 10 to one. Tornado Flyer, 11 to one. Fakir Duderi, uh, 12 to one. Eldorado Allen, 14 to one. Melon, 14 to one. Envoy Allen, four, uh, 16 to one. Mysterian Falange, 20 to one. Andy, Alaho, four to six. I imagine not something you're going to be napping at that price, but maybe some each way value against him. Um, I probably would actually. Really? I actually think four to six is a, a really oh. good four to six. I thought I knew you so well. No, well, <laughs> put it this way: if I was given an option, a choice of, of backing Honeysuckle, um, Shiskin, mm -hmm. or, or even Bob Hollinger for, to, to, for that for that um, for that thought, then I, I think Allah has the, the best bet of that lot. That lot. Um, again, we're dealing with a race that will probably cut up quite considerably. You've mentioned a lot of horses that will go elsewhere, you know. Um, the thing is with Alaho, he's got such an, an air of uh, presence about him, uh, and I think all the jockeys will be aware of that. To their own detriment, it would be if they tried to take him on. You saw what happened last year when you got good horses literally waving the white flag halfway down the back straight. You know, your Imperial Auras, your Mr. Fishes of this world, they, they were literally like mm. on the hands and knees going out and the, on, on, you know, to the, from the water jump onwards. It was only Faco de Dorisa that could muster any, any kind of resistance. Um, I think he's probably the, one of the each way alternatives if he does run, by the way. Um, but yeah, I, I, I just don't see how he's going to get beat. But like I am, barring falls, of course, that could always happen. Mistakes creep into the game, you know. Uh, Evan Voy Allen fell last year when he looked as though he, he, you know, the, the, the turners were resist for the, for the, for the losing. Um, so yeah, we're keeping it short and sweet. He, his preparation's gone really well. We know he loves Cheltenham. Um, he's danced around there twice, hasn't he? And lucky in the in the three mile race, and then the, the Ryanair was just a performance that mm. would long, live long in the memory. And obviously, us time judges, it left us purring over it. So if he's, if he's anywhere near in that same kind of form, there's every reason to believe that he is following his two runs. Then I think, like I say, I think four to six is, is actually good value. Four to six, Alaho for Andy. Rory? Yeah, he will, he will shorten up. I've got very little doubt about that. Um, there aren't, it's a little bit of a disappointing field this yeah. year, I think. You know, it looks okay from, from the entries at the moment, but I think, I think a lot of those are going to melt away. And I think a few of those who could have thrown down a challenge have, have had... Um, 
uh, slight setbacks in the preparation as well. So it's very hard to be against them, at, certainly at the current prices. I have suggested uh, somewhere in print that, that I will take him on on the day at, the, at whatever price he goes off at, because he will go off really, really short. Um, but that's only on the basis that um, his win last year saw him run at his absolute limit. Um, it was it was absolutely spellbinding. He, you know, he couldn't have gone any faster, and he couldn't have. Um, you know, I don't think he I don't think he went in short at a single fence. He made one mistake on the way around, but he, he didn't lose an awful lot of ground from that. And otherwise, he was absolutely winging his fences. And Rachel Blackmore was asking him to do everything perfectly. So it was a perfect storm. You know, it, it was a performance that um, he, he didn't do it within himself. He really pushed himself to the very limit and produced one of the most stunning displays you'll see at Cheltenham. Horses can't keep doing that, would be my argument. Although the bottom line with him at the moment, at four to six, he doesn't have to be anywhere near his best to win this again. Um, I just take the view that I think he ends up being one to three on the day, and at one to three, I might, I might take a little bit of a, a, a chance against him. I'll certainly be, be looking for each way value against him in the market, but I wouldn't take him on at the moment um, because the price doesn't actually doesn't yeah. represent his his dominance uh, in the field. But I think people will look at him as as the absolute stone bonking certainty of the festival, um, and they will absolutely plow into him on the day. And you might come the off uh, find that there's that there's a little bit of value. Um, against them, but not at this stage. The horse that I wanted to back him against them um, at the post was St Calvados, mm. but for some reason they've gone they've gone to the Ascot Chase with him and quite possibly bottomed him in that. Mm. Uh, if he'd missed that and come here, I'd, I'd have been sweeping his chances. Interestingly, he was a non-runner in the race last year when I backed him at the post on account of the good to soft ground that was deemed not soft enough for him. Paul Nichols now thinks he wants good ground. <laughs> Um, he, Paul wasn't training him last year, of course, uh, he was with Harry Whittington. Um, but I, I was gobsmacked that a horse could come out of a, um, of a grade one chase at Cheltenham on good to soft ground because it, was, it wasn't soft enough. Um, especially as the trainer had said, had made a big point from his novice days saying, I know he's been winning on heavy ground, but he doesn't need heavy ground. Um, and all of a sudden he's treated as if he does need the ground. Paul Nichols thinks he doesn't want to go right-handed and he thinks he doesn't want heavy ground. Um, in fairness, he's just come out of a heavy defeat going right-handed on heavy ground, <laughs> so it's easy to come to that conclusion. The, the problem with him in that race is that he bled, and that's, that's really not a very good um, uh, way of warming up for this race. Mm. But he's very well suited uh, to Cheltenham, and he's well suited. He ran an absolute cracker in this race two years ago. He's been lightly raced since. I mean, he, um, uh, he splits Min and a Plutard in this race, and he is probably unlucky another win. Gavin, Gavin Sheehan, Try to sneak up the rail on the run-in, which you don't, you don't try to do. And I think if he hadn't been quite as cute as that, he might actually have gone and won the race. Uh, and on that basis, he'd have a really good chance. Unfortunately, as I said, he's been badly campaigned since that, and that run at Ascot probably, um, probably knocks him out. But I, I'd still, at the biggest price I can get, I'd probably still throw a few shekels at him each way, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't be betting him as, as confidently as I did last year. But um, th there will be it will be a half decent each way market from declarations um, and I'm still I'll hope that Paul Nichols a fantastic trainer that he is will have managed to nurse him back into some kind of form and if he's right that um, he'd be better horse on good ground for him then he, he might be able to um, to reward each way support but it's very hard to be confident about anything against this favorite um, certainly at the current prices um, and yeah and, uh, as I said on the day 
I will be keeping an eye on that, that each way market and keeping an eye on just how short he gets uh, with a view to maybe having a small play either each way or against them. But it would be without an awful lot of confidence and it would be purely based on price. At 20 to 1, uh, best price at the moment. It was one of my very rare tips, wasn't it, Andy, on this show where I put him up for the King George and I must say travelled mm. the best <coughs> he was spot on. of any of them. Absolutely. And then on, just yeah. didn't quite, uh, well, made the move a bit too early there, but 20 to 1 here. Certainly, if returning to that kind of form, a much more suitable trip and goes well at Cheltenham, as Rory says. Um, some Calvados there for the Ryanair, but maybe one to wait until closer to the off with Alaho currently four to six, but should probably, well, probably will go off shorter. On then to the stayers, and, and Rory will stay with you to, to kick us off in our first round in the stayers. We've got Florian Porter at seven to two, Time Hill nine to two, Champ, whose thoughts from Barry Garrity we heard earlier, five to one, Classical Dream, five to one. Paisley Park, who returned to some form last time out, seven to one. Asterion Falange uh, and Royal Kahala, both ten to one. Sporting John, twelve to one, twenty-eight to one. Barb, a pretty open-looking stayers here, um, without any kind of standout candidate. I guess there's there's holes to pick in all of them, Rory. Uh, I guess the question is, who's got the fewest holes? Yeah, and that, that tends to be the way in the stairs hurdle. Um, you tend to have your little quirks um, with horses who who. Um, uh, still running over hurdles at this trip. Um, the one who I've come round to, and I came round to him when he was beaten at Christmas, was Florian Porter. He's definitely he's definitely got his quirks. He showed them when winning this race last year, and he showed them several times uh, prior to that. In that he runs around uh, later on. He can he can hang violently uh, from the last hurdle, and he almost jinked into the the running rail um, after the last in this last year. Um, and he did the same at Leopardstown when he won. Um, the Ryanair Ryan hurdle at Christmas as well. Um, but I was really impressed with his attitude when he was um, second to Classical Dream um, in that race uh, this time around. Um, or the Christmas hurdle, I should say, rather than the Ryanair. Um, he, was, he missed the break because most of the jockeys thought it was a false start. Um, and it turned, you, know, you, you watch replays of that over and over, and it, it's, it's, it becomes clear in time that the, ha that the starter is has decided to let them go and is making that move when Classical Dream lunges forward. Yeah. And the other jockeys thought, well, that can't be right. Um, and Danny Mullins gave the, gave the starter um, quite a mouthful as he left. But he wanted to lead in that race and he ended up getting, getting left, what, 12, 15 lengths? Um, so he's on the back foot throughout. And I, you know, given that Florian Porter has shown that he's a little bit quirky in the past, I thought he could easily have thrown the towel in at any stage. But he kept on the coattails of Classical Dream throughout that race and just kept trying and trying. And he still ducked around a little bit later on, but that just seems to be a physical thing rather than a, a some kind of, you know, um, it's not anything to do with being ungenuine. I think he's very genuine, um, which is a question I had about him last season. But the way he battled that day suggested that he's as game as they come. The yard had been out of form for, for a fair while, but um, he's, he's had a flurry of winners in the last week or so. And Gavin Cromwell will be very happy about his horses coming to Cheltenham on the back of that, including those who might not have been firing already this season. And um, yeah, he probably would have won um, at Navan in November, but for tipping up in front. Um, other than that, his jumping's generally very quick um, and, and accurate. And the way he won this last year uh, was very impressive. Danny Mullins, I'm sure, um, will be on board again. And um, yeah, although it's never a race to be to be lumping on on short price ones unless they are those absolute champions that we've seen every now and again. Uh, I think Florian Porter is, is, I like him more than Classical Dream because Classical Dream will either get a flying start mm -hmm. or more likely he will try to get a flying start and be pulled back by the starter. And if Classical Dream isn't able to dominate 
from the start. And if he ends up having a standing start, that could count against him. Uh, whereas Florian Porter showed that you know he could overcome a bit of a disaster at the start and still run a really good race. So I think he's the most solid in the race. Florian Porter, seven to two, best price as it stands. Uh, the favourite, the one for Rory in the stairs. Uh, Andy, we, we got a sneak preview of your thoughts here when we were talking to Barry earlier. Yeah. Uh, who do you see as being the value? Um, I don't think he's value. Um, Florian Porter, five to two, but he's, he's probably seven to two. Seven to two. Sorry, I beg your pardon. Yeah, he's the most likely winner. Um, I think me and Rory were doing a, a podcast together. I think it was after, or maybe just discussing um, Cheltenham in general. Um, when we both agreed, we were surprised that Florian Porter was still five six to one after he got beat at mm. Leperstown, given what had happened to the, at him at the start. Um, very similar to the Blue Lord Riviere de Tell race. You, you look at race sometimes, you think, well, I'd have him the other way around here as a punter rather than how the bookmakers go. So sometimes you can, um, you know, bet against the herd and get a bit of value. Um, my only negative with him is not him in general. It's just it's very difficult to win the stairs hurdle back to back. I think you've got to go a little while back now to find. Um, I, th I think it might have been the big books era that to find a horse that has um, followed up his stairs hurdle win. It's very much like the Gold Cup. They put such a huge amount of effort to win it. It's difficult to re to um, retain it. But you know, if he does get to the front, there's every reason that he will do this time. Can't imagine that um, um, classical dream of giving the kind of freebie he got last time out. Then he's going to serve it up to for them from the front and be very very difficult to catch. Because as Roy said, he's incredibly tenacious. Um, he basically would run through a brick wall for you, which is the quote of the, of the owners and the, and, and, and the trainer. I just, I just don't like the race as a betting medium, I must admit. It, it's, it's partly due to the fact that I'm still crying in my own soup with um, Buzz. I think he'd still probably win this race with a broken pelvis. <laughs> um, in traction, I think. He'd, he'd, I'd, I'd still absolutely it's one of those ones that has rankled with me all season yeah, it really has annoyed me that as it, that he went and got that injury before the long walk because i thought this was his for the taking and if he was if he had like say he'd even come here off the back of um he'd win previously i'd, I'd still think he'd win the stairs but anyway it's, it's gone now we could have had a great argument with that because I'd, I'd have been dead against him in the stairs oh really i don't think he'd stay three months we can't have it if you want no yeah, well yeah. It's, all, it's all irrelevant it's all, right? it's all irrelevant <laughs> yeah exactly it's just a waste of time um even Next year, yeah, maybe next year. Uh, look, you know, it's it's a it's a wide open race. You make case up a Tyne Hill. You know, he was he's got Cheltenham Festival form, hasn't he? Mm -hmm. the, you know, they're running the Albert Bartley on Monkfish gives him a great chance, and you know, he represents the the um, long walk along with Champ and. You know, Paisley Park, I mean, look what he did last time. Oh, I, I was going to say, are you surprised that Paisley Park is a bigger price than Champ here? Uh, a little bit, because, you know, theory, you give him a 20 length head start and Champ still couldn't put mm. him to bed. It's one of the most extraordinary things I've ever seen in a race course mm. with Paisley Park winning last time. And it just shows you, you know, with, with this kind of horse that you never write him off and yeah. anything can happen in a race like this. And I think this is one of the races where I think you can expect something bizarre to yeah, go Yeah, th this is not a race to come in when they've jumped a hurdle. You want, you <laughs> want to be watching the start of this yeah, race. Yeah, I think um, so, yeah. There's, there's potential for lots of, um, yeah. lots of fun and games. I'd probably be against Classical Dream at the price. I think he's the, the weakest link based on his overall profile. I think he's one of those ones that needs a huge amount of gaps between his races. I think they got greedy last time out there, ran him at Gowan because it was local. You know, Willie Mullis thought, oh, I've only got a turn up win this, I'm going to be three on. And 
it's you know i think willie kind of admits to that as well yeah and he, is, he assumed because he'd run at christmas he'd be fit and he's he's convinced the horse actually wasn't mm. fit because he'd he kind of he'd let him down after that and thought that you know the, yeah if you, if you want to if you want a great one over christmas and you're turning out at the end of january there shouldn't you shouldn't have any fitness issues and the horse didn't get home but and willie's willie sort of puts his hands up and said that's that's my fault i think he needs to be box fresh i think he's one of those ones that almost a year off kind yeah, of thing yeah. like an appreciated job um that's my view on him but yeah i, I think for lord and Paul to win but i'm probably probably reluctant to have a bet in the race at the moment it's just one of those I'm races like that oh, i can't i can't get let's madly madly enthusiastic about let's move on then um, we've got three more races to cover on the card. We haven't got long to do it. So quickly into the plate, uh, where we've got Celebre Dalen is the six to one favourite ahead of Imperial Alcazar at eight to one. The Glancing Queen nine to one. Birchdale ten to one. Bustleton twelve to one. The Shunter uh, has a few entries again twelve to one. Grand Parody Fusel Raffles both fourteen to one. Sixteen to one bar. And Andy, I know you're probably a bit unsettled by having a race there that you couldn't put something up in. So we'll. Get, a, get you over that and, and come to you straight away here to, to put that right. Best race to get yeah. no, <laughs> I, I don't mind this race. Um, again, I like backing um, novices in this race. Um, I think Simply the Bets won it um, a few years ago. And, and um, I think Imperial Alcazar, I think connections of that have reluctantly bypassed the Turners, which would have been very appetising to think, hang on, there's a small field here. We, you know, we, we could finish you know, maybe second or third and have a great day. But I think they're really keen on him to win this. Um, he's got bundles of class, always have, ha, has done. And I've really liked his three runs this season, never fences. First two in smallish fields, and, and, and I think he was a bit unlucky to get beat in the one. But he was really good here at, at the um, trials day. Um, it's a good field as well, lots of fancied horses in that race. Um, I think there's already been a winner out of it as well. I'll have to probably go back and double check, but I think Roy might be able to help me out off air there. Um, I'm pretty sure that, that that race has worked out well, but it was a good time. And but I just loved his jumping. He was so accurate, pinpoint. He was really, really good. Um, so yeah, I'm really keen on him. I, th I think he's a, just a quality horse. Uh, I, I prefer him over um, the, the Hobbs horse, um, Celeb Dalen, mm. who probably not quite been beating the kind of uh, the horse that Imperial or running against the kind of horse Imperial Alcazar has. Just think he's very classy and. and Brings good solid course and distance form to the table, so I'll keep it brief with him. Imperial Alcazar, eight to one. Yep. The one for Andy Rory. Java Point. That's the one. Java mm -hmm. Point. Yeah, he got well beat. Um, but yeah, it looked, looked a good race, and and, and that novice's handicap traditionally down the years. I mean, Imperial Aura won it, didn't he? Yes. Before he went on to win, and as I said, simply bets. It's always a very, always a really strong race. It's always the same. Very strong race, yeah. Nice very strong race, and, and this year's Renault looked look no different time-wise. And do you um, worry about the run in the Potemps last year at all? Yeah, I mean that that was a bit of a blob on his on his CV. I don't, I don't really know why. He had had, had wind up after, so yeah. that might have been something to do with it. You know, it's three miles as well. Maybe he's just better. He, he's a better horse now. They they can attack with him now. He's, um, you know, he's had the wind up, but bet seems to be better over short, slightly trip short, shorter than three miles. He was also beaten ahead by Protectorat in a novice hurdle back in 2020, of course. Well, so. he, 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 uh, he was beaten ahead and then awarded the race and then had the race taken off. Ah, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, there you go. So some, you know, some Cheltenham form there. Um, if last year wasn't ideal. Um, Rory, how are you seeing the, the plate? I do. I, I, I really like Imperial because I was the horse and he's in my tent to follow. So, um, you know, I'll be, I'll be cheering him on anyway. Um, I like the, I tend to like the plate, but it's a race I want to see decks for before I get yeah. involved in as a rule. Um, it's um, it's one of those races that you can rule a lot of horses out 
uh, through run style. It's very hard to come from monkey pace in this race. If you watch replays of this, what you notice with with the plate because they're they're running at a the track is narrower because they keep a they keep a section of the track fresh for the Gold Cup. So there aren't that many places to make ground um, when they mm. on the chase course on the Thursday, uh, particularly. See, what I've watched lots of replays of old plates, and you just you know you see horses travelling well held up and you know it's very very hard to make a move until you get into the home straight um it's difficult to find positions to to improve whereas on the friday when you you've got the whole width of the of the new tr new course no real issues there um so you do need to have a horse that that um jumps well and races handily mm. um and that tends to narrow it down enormously and it's amazing how many times you you, you can stop the race at the second fence and then point to three or four horses in that first group who, who end up in the frame um, and that tends to um, that tends to help you with your analysis much harder to do that without decks it has to be said um, the one that i like at this stage is not a massive price um, and that's um, the glancing queen um, she's i thought she's well handicapped on what she's done this season so far she's proven at the track um, she's she's a novice with graded form um, and she ends up getting in here with um, a remarkably uh, low weight, if I can even find her in the race. Um, Off 141. Yeah, she's not on the king horse, not from one, is it? Well, <laughs> he won't be not from 86 no, then, obviously. Yeah. Um, but yeah, she's, um, her form this season is very good. Um, she's won two listed chases, and then she was runner-up here. She's, won, she's run very well at the festival before. She ran twice in the bumper, actually, didn't yeah. she? Um, and um, she's really come to herself. Um, this season, but yeah, to get in here with with ten stone twelve, despite the fact that you've you've been running an only black type races and running really well, um, I thought she'd have to go well. The problem with backing around the post is that of course she's in the mare's chase, and the mare's chase yeah. is going to have a small field, and I think connections of both the Glancy Queen and Vienna Court, who's just below her in the weights here, will both be tempted to run that race, and uh, knowing there's a bit more prestige um, and the potential for a small field, so they may not go here. But both of them are run. Um, both of them are interesting, and the Glancing Queen at nine to one um, is, I, I think, at the weight she's the most appealing to me. But it's probably a race that I'll look at again once the decks come out and try to find something at a slightly bigger price who's, who will get the run of things. Imperial Alcazar, the one for Andy, eight to one. The Glancing Queen for Rory at nine to one. On then to the Mare's Novice, uh, where Dino Blue has been well backed since Andy gave her a positive mention last week. Five to two now, best price as short as two to one elsewhere. Brandy Love, 130. Party Central, 11 to two. LA Bell, eight to one. Grangy uh, and Impervious, both eight to one. 14 to one bar. Um, Roy, I'll come to you first and then we can hear Andy regale about Dino Blue again. I really like Dino Blue. <laughs> I was really impressed with her, um, uh, with her debut win at, uh, at Clonmel. That did come on heavy ground and you you, you might be slightly concerned about that. She's by Dr. Dino, though, and almost all Dr. Dino's won good ground. Mm -hmm. So um, I, I thought she looked really, um, really promising. Uh, I know she was, that wasn't a particularly strong race and she was a short-priced favourite for it, but I loved how accurate she was. Uh, her jumping was absolutely spot on um, and she was just thoroughly professional and I, I always like to see that in a novice. Um, and I think she will... Um, I think she'll run a decent race. Also, uh, interesting thing, Willie Mullins said he took her away to, to do a gallop the other day and he was really surprised how well she went. Which I thought, that's an interesting comment for, for, for a horse who's, who's um, heading the market for, for this race. But I guess she's not, she doesn't necessarily show an awful lot at home because of all, I mean, she went off at even money for, for that um, you know, pretty, pretty ordinary race at Clonmel. It was one or two of his mares 
I started at very short prices for Zeros. Um, so yeah, I, 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 we've only had one run to judge on. It's not the ideal, not the ideal scenario for any Cheltenham Festival race. But I did like her. Um, Brandy Love, on the other hand, she's got tons of ability, but she's a little bit wayward. Um, her jumping was um, was a little chancy when she won at Nace, but I thought she showed a lot, a hell of a lot of ability um, that day. But she was jumping out of Paul Finance hands, um, and again, you don't really want to see that. You want to see a, a, a mare who, who will sort of allow the jockey to, to teach her what to do. But I thought, you know, in terms of, of quality, that she was hiding an awful lot there because you, you know she was. She wasn't particularly attentive to what her jockey was asking, and she showed a lot of natural ability. And then at Ferry House, she just could not handle the track. Um, and she, was, she jumped violently to her left, and she ended up running remarkably well there, given how much ground she lost during that. She's clearly going to be a lot happier going back left-handed, but I'm still, I'm still not that keen to back horses who, um, who show jumping lapses, and she's done that twice now. So there's clearly a lot of potential improvement in her, um, but I'd rather have Dino Blue from what I've seen so far. Dino Blue, five to two. And Rory mentions there, Andy, that having one run to judge her on isn't ideal. Um, but you can put a, a number on that run, and it was pretty impressive. Oh, everything about that run was just amazing. I, mean, I, I remember I was, I was doing Willie Mill Radio that day, um, obviously from home. And um, I, was, I was actually timing the, the, the sectionals of circuits just to, for something to do, really, with, with mm. and, and give the listeners um, an idea of... of of time figures on the day kind of thing and straight away when I did that and, and was comparing them as they went on I kept referring I kept saying god this Dino Blue must be good because the circuit timing that it did the next race is like eight seconds slower Cashback was another one who, who beat um, a horse of Chibi Parks and he was like nine seconds slow and I was, as the day went on it was like god this Dino Blue must be <laughs> incredibly good uh, they went back and done the overall time figure and it was ex exceptionally good. Um, and the only surprise is that she hasn't run since. But perhaps they just feel as though that they don't need to run her again that because she obviously won first time out, it was brilliant. What, what, why upset a, a, a kind of like continuity there, I suppose? There may not have been the right races for her either. Um, but either way, they're, they're very happy just to come here and roll the dice. The fact that she's been punted from much bigger odds into now favouritism he's obviously got to be a, a, certainly, certainly no negative um, I just think she's got so much class and her jumping as well I mean I went back and watched that round at Clonmel she was taking lengths out of the field never seen a novice particularly one for Willies jump so fast and accurately like when the hurdle was coming up she was like really going into it she was like water over it unbelievable um, so yeah she sets a very very high standard certainly based on the numbers that we've got um, I think she's probably one of the best bets of the meeting for me. One of the best um, bets of the meeting, five yeah. to two. Very, very confident that she'll win. It's a great race for Willie Mund as well. I mean, yeah. uh, the horse of Henry's booked, booked the trend last year. Mm. Just a bad year for, for, for Willie. Um, maybe just didn't have that strong. Well, not a bad year for Henry either. And so. talking about uh, inexperience as well, Willie's almost won this with a newcomer, of course. Concentration yeah, yeah. on her, on her Absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah. was, was um, caught on the line. Well, mm. Limini and um, Lorena, and he won mm. it with two runs. Yeah, he, he he knows, doesn't he? He's thinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. And there's and, and you know they don't they don't just have one run either. You know you know perfectly well yeah. that they, they sort the novices out at home at Willie's. Um, no one's no one's ever entirely um, happy to explain how that is done, but they, <laughs> they do get tested. Um, so you're never that worried um, with one from the, from Willie's yard about its its experience over hurdles. Right, we need to move on to the last because this is going to be a long old show. Uh, nothing wrong with that. Plenty of uh, detail here. But the Kim Muir next up. And we've got Frontal Assault as the 9-2 to favourite. 
ahead of Smoking Gun at eight to one. Ain't that a shame? Ten Schoolboy Hours twelve to one. Fourteen to one. Uh, Deal Kerr fourteens. Uh, Fakir Delane, Omar Moretti, Mr. Fog Patches as well. Glenn Lowe sixteen to one, and plenty others there too. Uh, Rory will come to you for the for the last on Thursday. Yeah, I thought that the, I, I watched the race at um, Ferry House in January and decided that was the key to the Kim Muir. And it was a beginner's chase won by Fleur, um, who beat Frontal Assault and Grand Paradis, who dead heated for second, all trained by Gordon Elliott, who <laughs> loves to run a novice in the, uh, the Kim Muir. Um, uh, Fleur obviously won on the run of the Grand National Trail and ran very well after that and is, is um, too high on the weights. But both Frontal Assault and Grand Paradis were given marks of 145 here. They were clear of Egality Mon, who, who boosted the form by winning next time out. So immediately I decided this was, this was the, um, the race to concentrate on. Um, this used to be a race for good old plotters, and it's not anymore. It's a, it's a race for, uh, for improving novices. And Gordon Elliott particularly has, has kind of found the, um, uh, found the key to that. I like Grand Paradis as a, as a horse. Now, he's, he's drifted in the betting for this uh, recently, which kind of suggests that he, and he's shortened up for the plate. But I think this, I think this will suit him down to the ground. Um, looking at the race, um, uh, Grand Party was always always handy. Um, was joined on the line by Frontal Assault, who got outpaced and stayed on strongly. Now Frontal Assault ran in the Martin Pipe last year over two and a half miles, got outpaced and stayed on late mm. in the day, um, and he is absolutely screaming out for for three and a quarter miles, which is why he's favourite for the race. But in saying that, given that they are identical horses in, in terms of the Irish form, you know they dead heated last time out. They're running off the same mark. I thought the fact that Grand Party was about you know two and a half times the price. Um, was a wee bit insulting to him because he will stay beyond three miles as well. Um, I liked him first time out. He fell at Down Royal in a very strong novice chase, but I liked the way he went through that until he came down at the second last. Um, and he, he was then out of his, probably out of his depth in grade one company next time out. Um, and again, uh, made a couple of mistakes. His jumping's got better in his last two starts. He's just gradually getting better. And he's the kind of horse who will be at his peak at Cheltenham. So I, I want to have him on side because he's going to be a reasonable price. I completely see the the the, um, the argument for frontal assault, but he is, you know, he's quite a short price favourite for this. Um, his first try at three and a quarter miles should see him improve. I'm just a little bit wary of horses who get outpaced in races at any kind of trip because yeah. you can still you can still do that in this race as well. Um, and I'm I'm less inclined to back him at the short price, even though I completely understand the argument that he should improve markedly for the step up and trip. But I think Grand Party will improve as well. I hope he runs here, even though the market sort of suggests that he might be dropping back to the, to the plate. But I, I think Gordon's had this race in mind for him for a fair while, and, and I hope that's where he goes in, the, in his pre-festival stable tour. Before we saw the weights, mm. this was the race he was talking about for him. Um, and I think he would have preferred to get a little bit less than 145, but given that Frontal Assault, who's favourite for the race, and I'm definitely going there, has got the same mark and has the same chance on paper, I see no reason why the, the pair of them shouldn't run. And if they do, then I'd rather take the bigger price about Grand Parody. Grand Parody, 16 to 1 as it stands at the moment. As you say, Frontal Assault heads the market at 9 to 2. Andy? Um, yeah, going back to that um, race that um, Rory's referring to, uh, it's one, probably one of the best lines of the whole season with regards to commentary. Jerry Hannon, he comes <laughs> yeah, up with some sayings. And Flores made a bad mistake. He jumped it like a bag of hammers. <laughs> <laughs> jumped it like a bag of hammers. No idea. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> He also said, oh, that put the cross on me the other day in a, in a beginner's chase that he called something wrong. He said, oh, that's put the cross on me. <laughs> I don't know where he gets them from. Um, no, he's good value, Jerry is. Um, but yeah, I mean, going back to that beginner's funny enough, nobody's mentioned Everglow, who finished 10 lengths fifth that day. Um, 
but he's an interesting runner out, of, out of that race 20 to 1 yeah um, when I went back and watched that race again sort of on the final circuit I was just watching Everglow um, as well because I've seen all the others I know I know what that that form um, amounts to um, but he hasn't run since mm. so they're quite happy with that run I think um, so if you think one or two ahead of him will go well handicapped who are trying trying a little bit harder let's say or obviously you know that they were gung-ho and full bore where this fellow was just given a bit of a, a sighter um, uh, yeah I, I think he's a big price at 20 to 1 and noticeably he ran quite well in last year's um, per attempt to be on Mrs Milner for, for old connections but you look at the summer horse he's run against um, he ran against Blue Lord um, six and so he's six and a half lengths beat by Blue Lord yeah, twelve and a half lengths beat by Gabby Nacko. Yeah, you look at yeah, you know, run against Gabby Nacko, Farouk Delane, Elmbaton, Blue Lord, and he, and he ran really well in, in uh, that. And, and only one of those races uh, close to three miles. Exactly. Either, even though he's got proven stamina. He's yeah, absolutely. Yeah. He's, yeah. he's an out and out three miler. Um, Noel Mead's done really well as well this mm. season with his shape. Obviously, Schoolboy Hours won the Paddy Power. Um, so, yeah, he. I don't know who's going to ride him. I have no idea. But if he gets a decent amateur he could be worth a shout and, and a horse I absolutely love I've got to mention him as well um, I'm, I'm presuming Garrick O'Rock mm -hmm. will hopefully go for the Ultima because I don't want three selections in this race <laughs> like I say non-runner non no bet you can play, yeah, play yeah. around with Garrick O'Rock um, the other one I've, I've always loved this horse and he's got, got a great body of work and I think he'd probably be better off in a race like this is Mr Fog Patches mm. um, was he third in last year's Scottish National maybe second or third but he's literally turned up every time and left it out on the track ever since. Um, he ran behind Rumwell Fred in the Troy Town. Yeah. Um, he ran an amazing race behind Brayside in the Court National Trial. And he was last with the circuit to run on bottomless ground. And he, he somehow heaved himself into fourth or third. Um, and then he, he ran beyond Commodore at Cheltenham, having yeah. a side trip the track early on in the year. So we know he goes around Cheltenham. And that was some good ground as well. Was, you know, he's got lots of form in the mud because he's a Absolute, Thursday. Absolutely. Absolutely. Handles good ground. Handles good ground. He actually, I, I think because he's a small horse, he, won't, he doesn't want heavy. Yeah. He's run last time at the Thiesti. It needs to be seen to be believed. It's a day where he had to race wide. Longhouse Poet went all the way around the outside. Um, got an advantage. So did uh, Franco de Port. He was like an absolute swamp around the end. Anything that ran up the inside had no chance. Coco Beach. Death Duty. I put up Death Duty the next day because he went around the inner. Oh, yeah, it's always worth watching which horses stick to me. Yeah, I mean, Brayside was fancy. He, he went round the inside and was tailed off. The only horse that finished in the first three having run round the inside was Mr Fog Patches. And, and the time figure that day was furlong per furlong, miles better than Core Sublime. Core Sublime was about... Oh, it was desperately slow. Oh, mm. it was about 25 lengths slower than the, the Garen race on the final circuit. They were absolutely flying. Um, it's really solid form, that Thiesters. And Mr Fog Patches... You know, if he gets, I think he'll get it because he's 23 and he's 24 maximum field, so he's yeah. definitely going to get it. I don't know who's going to ride. I've been heard on the grapevine that Paddy Mullins has been sniffing around after him. So if, if Paddy gets the leg up and he, he, he hasn't will, got another ride, he will get that price, won't he? Yeah. He, will, he will not. But was he, what is he 14 to 1 best price at the moment. Yeah. Um, looking at the vibes on, on, on the exchanges, there's money queuing up to back him. So there's a good chance that he's going to run. So 14 to 1 him and Everglow. Just a couple of other options beyond the obvious ones there for me. So uh, throw a negative in there as well, because I think people will be interested in it. But discordantly, he's got a £5 penalty for coming back to form and winning well at Leopardstown the other day. He's in the ultimate, he's in this. Um, it was interesting to, to uh, hear connections say afterwards that they thought dropping him back in trip might have been the key. They thought he was a stayer, 
but his, his, his two wins in the last two years have both come at two mile five. Um, and they were talking about keeping him to that trip. So he's obviously got the, the entries over three mile one and three mile two at Sheldon. And plenty of people will see, you know, that he, he's <coughs> potentially well in under a five pound penalty, having finally got it together. He's, looked, he's a horse who's always looked like he's got the, the ability to win a big handicap, but he's been a bit disappointing um, in some of those. Um, he, he, he finished sixth thing in the Ultima last mm. year. Um, he wasn't beaten that far in, in the Thiestes. Um, but he's just a, um, he had been a little bit disappointing. But then Robbie Parr came on, he's made all the running which is a bit of a, a bit of a change of tactics as well, and he looked impressive. But that was two mile five, and I think the key is that they've got the trip wrong with him for the last couple of years. Lovely stuff. Uh, that brings us to a close of our Thursday preview, day three at the Cheltenham Festival. Before I let the guys go, they're going to ask them for their nap, their best bet of the day. Andy, I think we know yours. Come I'm sure my chips in on Dino Blue. All, all in Dino Blue for Andy. Yep. Rory? Ah... Uh, when you've got to think about it, that's, yeah. not, a good yeah. that's not a good sign. It's not, it's, it isn't it a good sign. Well, no, I, never tend to, I never tend to, I never tend too to many. think about it in the first place. And I can't go Dino Blue. We can, uh, we can, we can oh, double let's that. Go, um, I don't want to keep going shorties either. That's all right. Because I've gone a shorty on the first day when I fancied a couple of outsiders. So I'll go Grand Paradis. Okay. Again, I know that he might run elsewhere, but, but yeah, got, he's, got he's a horse I want to keep on side and handicaps at the, the festival. There you go, Grand Paradis. Thank you very much to both Rory and to Andy for their sharing their expert tips and advice uh, on this preview of day three of the Cheltenham Festival. Uh, you can find day one, day two and day four on the Oddschecker YouTube channel and on any podcast platform as well. Thank you to 888 Sport for sponsoring these, uh, the, the show as well and to their ambassador Barry Garrity for sharing his time and his thoughts with us too. Hopefully plenty of winners in there, certainly some very good insight. Uh, so do enjoy the third day of the Cheltenham Festival. And as ever, please do ensure that you're gambling responsibly.